Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light topics surrounding health, wellness, and workplace culture in the food and beverage industry. Through these conversations, I hope to explore the unique challenges that hospitality workers face, from workplace relationships and work-life balance to guest interactions and everything in between. I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health. And today I am joined by um, three of the coolest people that I know, and um, basically my bosses, uh, the team of Jen and Luck, Dave Kaplan, Alex Day, and Devin Tarby. Hey, y'all. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? So good. Happy to be Uh, here with you. I'm so happy to be here. for everybody listening, before we before we got going, I was saying that I'm so I as I'm sure everybody knows because every time I'm on a podcast, I talk about how I always try to talk myself out of doing them every time I do one, and then at the end, I'm like really I, it's like going to therapy or something. I'm so relieved by the end, but every time I'm like, oh, maybe I just find a way to reschedule it or cancel it or push it back by a month. Um, and you know, even when I'm just talking to normal people, but talking to my bosses and people that I really look up to makes me particularly nervous. So I'm excited to get to talk to y'all and sip on this glass of wine and chill out. <laughs> I, I, I love that uh, the qualifier here is that we're not normal people. Here we are with <laughs> Dave, Alex, and Devin. Not normal individuals. people. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome no, I mean, to the podcast. I, I do think that that actually is a pretty uh, good description of y'all. I don't think you are, you, you would be where you are if you were normal people. <laughs> Um, well, let's go ahead and let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, Alex, do you want to start? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Alex Day. Uh, I am a partner with these two lovely people in a company called Jen and Luck. Um, I act as the company's COO, uh, which sounds like a very fancy title, um, but mostly that's just an evolution in our careers together from starting out as a bartender at Death & Co., in the uh, really early days. And uh, Dave and I started in our partnership together, moving to LA, meeting Devin, realizing we all worked better together as a team. And uh, then, you know, in the last few years, finding out what, what, where we all sit relative to one another. Um, so that, that's kind of where I settled as a COO. What does that stand for, Chief? Operating Officer. Chief of Spreadsheets. Chief of Spreadsheets, yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Devin, since you're next on the screen, you want to introduce yourself? Thank you. Um, I, my name is Devin Tarby and I act as, as the company SO, which, uh, stands for chief services officer, which is a position that only exists in companies that offer services. So in our case, that would be, of course, hospitality consulting services, um, under the brand proprietors LLC. Um, which, you know, is, a, a, again, part of the larger um, Gin and Luck family. So in English, um, <laughs> I'm a partner with these guys in Gin and Luck. And I, I, feel, like, I feel like a decade later, I'm still uh, trying to explain to my parents what I do for a living. Um, they're getting it. It's getting close to 10 years <laughs> in. But, uh, but in plain English, I run the consulting side of, of, our, of our company day to day. So um, a lot of bar openings, a lot of staff trainings, lots of cocktail development. Um, yeah. Awesome. Last but not least, the least normal of all three of you, Dave. Uh, I'm David Kaplan, and um, I am the, I guess, co-founder of Death & Co. and Gin & Luck and proprietors. And 
all of this. Um, my fancy adult title is CEO, uh, Chief Executive Officer. Um, but I, I think even though it, it, it is arguably a more obnoxious title, I, I think the, the way that I've finally been able to contextualize what I do is through um, a, a book and a way that we run our company or a system that we run our company by, which is EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and a book by Gina Wickman. Um, and it sort of described uh, the visionary and integrator. And even though visionary is kind of an obnoxious word, um, I, I think it appropriately described who I am and that uh, typically someone with uh, a lot of ideas um, and not always the best follow through or execution um, as opposed to the integrator who uh, is phenomenal in systems, processes and execution. Um, and in this case, ideas as well. And Alex under this context is, is sort of the integrator. Um, and an additional kind of fun point between the three of us is we, we took a Colby test, which is similar to a Myers-Briggs and the three of us all are sort of scored differently. And the three of us all very much complement each other and in, in, in the way that we work. Um, so titles aside, uh, the three of us have worked together for a long time and all uh, have found um, a way to contextualize and complement uh, each other within this business that we've grown. That's awesome. I love, I think that's so cool that y'all like got to do like a little personality test and kind of saw that it's almost not by, it's not by chance that you work so well together that like your personalities like lend themselves to being really great partners. Um, it was so illuminating. We, we all like looked at our like results validating. and talked about it and we were like, well, of course this, this makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah. I love those kinds of things. I'm like obsessed with my Enneagram and like anything that has to do with like my with my Enneagram particularly is my favorite one because they're very very accurate um my therapist had me do that like in my first appointment um with Fine. her yeah um so y'all all have start when introducing yourselves you touched on this topic that is kind of one of the, the biggest reasons why I wanted to talk to you all was that for a, a bar and restaurant company, which is kind of not even a great definition of what your company is, but as people that started in bars and restaurants and have created this larger bar, restaurant, consulting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, company, you've done something that a lot of other people haven't done. Um, and I think that a lot of people are afraid to do, which is like embrace structures that are more structured than <laughs> a lot of bars and restaurants do. Um, and, you know, I don't like, I don't think corporate is the right word because it is not necessarily that. And people like shudder at that term, you know, like kind of like, you know, the other, mm -hmm. or like, you know, um, whatever, but you've really embraced finding structures that work for your company to be a better company. And the number one reason I wanted to talk to you all because was that I want to start having conversations with people about not just the problem, but the solution. And I think that as a company, getting to work for you all has been the first time in my entire career experience that I've worked with people who are looking for the solution, who are actively trying to make this industry a better place to work, and who are also incredibly transparent about not just their successes, but also their failures and, and what that means for their company and their employees at large. So none of that was really like a translatable question per se, but um, when Dave and I hopped on a call to kind of 
chat about this pre podcast recording, you know, this thing that we talked about a lot, we spent a lot of time talking about was how y'all found structure for the company. So maybe we can start by like addressing why you settled on this kind of structure. And maybe Dave, I think it would be really illuminating for people if you could explain a little bit about EOS and what led y'all to that system. Um, and if there were any things that y'all identified as a, as a company that were like things that you needed to see change either within the company or the industry at large. And like basically all how all those things came together to kind of put y'all in the structure that you're in now, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, you know, I, I also think it'd be really interesting to to hear from um, from Alex and and Devin and and from you as well, Jump. I think we we each of us individually, especially within this um, uh, within hospitality, we we've all had if if we've if we've come around to living this life of of you know structure or pseudo corporate, you know, quote unquote corporate or whatever it is, I think we've all come around to it. In, in unique and different ways. You know, for instance, I went to school for fine art. Um, I, I know Alex and Devin, and no, no one here has a, has a traditional hospitality pedigree. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Alex and Devin certainly speak to theirs. Um, so for me, I was definitely, I was allergic to spreadsheets. I was, I was kind of allergic to all of this. And I think that's part of what attracted me to hospitality is, is that, you know, it's about creating very human emotive based experiences it's not about spreadsheets, right? It's not about that. The, it's not about systems. It's, 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 it's about the moment, you know, it's about, it's about like the sexy things and yeah, not those like, yeah, back office. For, yeah. It's, it's about dim lights, late nights. It's about that cocktail, that, that, that taste, that sensory uh, experience, you know, it's about all this stuff other than the systems and the structure, right? And so it was a long journey for, for me personally to, to kind of get there. I was, um, for, for the longest time in my personal career, which really Death & Co was the start of it. You know, we opened Death & Co New York 06, 07, New Year's 06, 07. I really hadn't done anything else up until that point. My, you know, my brief um, career before, or my, my brief time after college and before Death & Co was really just a lead up to Death & Co. Um, and so that almost the first seven, eight, nine years of death and go, I would say most of it was just, most of my energy was focused on like, you know, what's going into the glass. Um, and not that I was ever a bartender. That's just where my personal attention was. Um, and so it was a very slow evolution for me to understand that for, for me as someone who's not active in the businesses that I, that I, and we were opening in that I didn't have a job in, in these places, right? Like I wasn't a GM, I wasn't a, a bartender, I wasn't filling a role. Um, I started to understand that, that my job was really to set these places and these people up for success to the best of my ability. Um, and, and to do that, uh, you, you, you come to learn, or I certainly came to learn that, that systems allow people to operate with greater speed and efficiencies. And the first and best example I think we can all think of in the bar world is that um, you know, the, the, the systems and the processes, um, the techniques really, um, in, in which we see great bartenders execute, you know, their, their speed movements and flow, you can, you can sort of translate that, or at least I certainly have in my mind as like, well, that's a system, that's a system or a way or a methodology of creating a round of cocktails. That's, that's a way of approaching the bar. And I think of it all the time when I watch Devin train, it's like that, that's just another example of creativity within structure. 
right? And so when you when you give structure and support to these things, um, then you can you can reach greater levels and whatever those levels are, you know. And again, going back to the bartender metaphor, the bartender example, it's greater levels of speed, efficiency, of customer service, of presence, you know, of connectivity with your guests. Um, so you know, you know, it, it was it was kind of a slow seven to ten year awakening to that. Um, and then a great um, person, great figure in our industry, Sean Finter. Um, he, I, I was part of an early group there called Accelerate, and he really exposed me to a lot of this kind of way of thinking and that um, this shouldn't be novel, like thinking like an entrepreneur, thinking like a business owner, thinking like a CEO should not be an, a novel thing in our sector. It is, but it, but it shouldn't be. And so having that be kind of the first foray into it, ha um, uh, having Alex really get excited and buy into it and having everyone collectively throughout the company, Devin, I know as well. Um, start to see the benefits of all of this. Um, and, and I think Alex and Devin, maybe they saw the benefit to this way and system or process of working or approaching life far and far before I did, but um, that was, nope, Devin, maybe not Devin. So Devin shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you say that because I mean, you know, I'll be the first to admit, uh, it's funny, uh, Dave, you just mentioned, you know, kind of your aha moment with realizing that structure could could benefit our company. And when you and Alex were beginning to embrace it, I had a complete like, I wouldn't say panic, but I was I was really resistant to it. I was like, hell no, I didn't get into this business to have structure. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, before before I worked in a bar, I was going to school for audio engineering and music business, which was, you know, the way that I figured that I could take a thing I love and do it for work and not have to work office hours. So, but when I was 18 years old, I knew that like, I didn't want that kind of life, right? So I wound up not doing that going into the bar industry, but that was kind of like the one common thread. And so when we started talking about having structure, I, I you know, it scared, it scared me. I was like that, no, this is not the, what, not what I signed up for um, until, you know, I, <laughs> until I, I, you know, I, um, I'm not really sure what my turning point was, but I don't know, maybe it's just getting older and, and wanting to gain a little bit of my, my life back. But I think the the aha moment for me was learning that there is freedom in structure, that it yeah. isn't something that's that's meant to limit us when done right. You know, and, and I think actually where I really kind of began to understand that principle was it was within um, cocktail development and working with clients. Right. It's one thing creating. Um, creating a vision for ourselves, we're, we're, we're kind of um, driving the whole ship. But when you have a consulting client that is bringing a vision to you, and so therefore kind of bringing you, you know, um, lines to, to color inside of, um, it's, it's, it's a different process. And, um, and I was surprised at how much I liked it. And I realized it was because, oh, actually, when I'm, I'm given these parameters, I can exercise creativity in all these other ways. You know, I think we, we all only have so much energy to give, right? That's kind of across the board in any sector, that's true. And so, um, you know, when you, when you, when you apply structure that you're then able to kind of dedicate energy, energy elsewhere and, and, um, and it can be really freeing. And I think you're, what you, you mentioned music a minute ago, Devin, and I think that that, that's the thing that's been ringing in my head since you asked this question, Alex, which was, uh, like, you know, what are, if we think of art, right, like in, in, in an industry that has so little rules, like the hospitality industry, and especially the cocktail industry, we're taught, like, at least in the early days that, like, 
great bartenders just kind of came out of nowhere and you like, wow, look how they came up with these drinks. Like where the hell did Phil Ward come from? And why did he come up with this delicious mix of Reposado, tequila, and mezcal? Like, of nobody course. Knows. Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> He's just dropped on the street one day, fully grown, <laughs> fully developed. <laughs> yeah. Out of a spaceship, I believe is the answer to that one. Uh, Accurate. But, but, but when you like, you look at music as an example right you know yes there are a handful of people around the world who are like naturally gifted at music but all the greatest musicians in the world practice you know there's an obsession that forms because of this love and they learn scales and chords and those become the rules the system the parameters by which that they are able to express their creativity and for me that was you know i similar to Devin, my first passion was music and working in recording studios and like having bands when i was young and before I went to college and started studying it. And what I learned in those moments of being in a recording studio was like all the, all the machine around the art allows the art to truly express itself, right? And when the machine is honed in and fine tuned and really understand itself then shit, like, like magic can, can happen. And, and I, I desperately wanted music to be my way of expressing that. And I just wasn't very good at it. So then cocktails came around and well, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> I, I, I love this conversation. These are so fun. And we so rarely get to, to do this with, with the three of us. So thank you, Jump, for allowing this opportunity today. Uh, already, already so much fun. Um, I, I, I think everyone's individual trajectory and, and all of our sort of uh, awakenings and realization, the, the timing was also really just ripe for us within our company. So, you know, we, we were on this, we, we really started on this great growth journey coming back around to Death & Co. Um, we had a, a really phenomenal and very diverse experience within proprietors of, of executing on so many different types of businesses and working with so many different groups and getting uh, a, a sense and taste of, of how so many different people did things and working with really, really high, uh, phenomenally uh, high achievers to most of the folks doing a ton of stuff being pretty underwhelming. Um, so we also got a sense of, of where we sat within it and where we wanted to be. Um, and so it, it, was around, uh, it was around this time when we were looking to grow or when we were growing we had Denver online. I was part of Accelerate. I was sort of looking for the next step that um, another entrepreneur, a friend of mine, turned me on to uh, Gina Wickman's book, um, uh, Accelerate, I'm sorry, not Accelerate, but uh, Traction. And um, uh, apparently they all have uh, silly uh, names like this, Traction, Accelerate. <laughs> Um, yeah <laughs> and, it's a requirement uh, I think yeah <laughs> exclamation all, point after everything yeah yeah and they're all orange like so many of my business books are orange I don't know why anyway um, it's like how rye whiskey is always in a green bottle it's like if it's business management it's orange it's gotta yeah, be orange. exactly yeah exactly um so uh, this was really transformative for us it, it was it was it, it is a very simple book um, it is almost like a textbook. It's like 200 page, very easy read, but then applying it um, and being rigorous uh, in the application uh, and implementation of, of this system into your company uh, is phenomenally complex. And we've been doing this with a professional. So we have a professional coach. We've been doing it for two years. So we have a business coach. We meet with him four times a year, five times, because uh, one is our annual planning session, which is two days. Uh, every session is eight hours. Um, and then EOS is just the dorkiest part of our every single day life. Like 
all of our meetings are run in the L10 structure, all of our lexicon and, and lingo is all from this, but it really has been phenomenally transformative and not in that, you know, I, I'm not even out, out here or anywhere to say that EOS is the best system for anyone or everyone, but it certainly is, uh, has transformed our company to buy into one system, to all be on the same page and to have an immense amount of clarity in everything that we do and to understand the importance of process, understand the importance of uh, the, the words and the framing and the goals and the, uh, and, and, and the way that we approach our meetings and how we address our issues. All of these things are, are done and drawn from, you know, a simple 200 page book again, but um, yeah, it, 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 it sounds very um, uh, almost constraining because it is very much all consuming <laughs> in, in that it, it has trickled into every facet of our business life. Um, but I think it's allowed us immense freedom to really do the thing that we love doing, especially now coming out of COVID that we're allowed to do the thing that we love doing again, which is serve guests and, and have those transformative experiences. That thing that we love doing hasn't changed for 15 years. We just have found ways to, to be more efficient and, and to focus on the important stuff more, I think. Right. Well, you like said a couple of keywords that I think are like really important and the, they were transparency and accountability and then like acknowledging processes um, and just like acknowledgement in general. Like I, when I think about if I were to like define what it's like to work for your company, I would say that transparency, accountability, and like acknowledgement would be three like really important words to describe working for your company. Um, and a lot of that is like, it, it, it feels like it shouldn't even be like earth shatteringly, um, you know, amazing or like maybe like, you know, it's like, it doesn't feel like it should be anything that is like wild to say. Um, mm -hmm. But in a lot of ways it is, especially in the, the food and beverage industry, um, it's not often that you get a company that is transparent across like, you know, almost every facet, if not every single facet of their business um, to appropriate levels. Um, and then on top of that, that has structure that allows them to hold their teams from top down um, accountable for the work they're asked to do or the standards they're asked to um, work towards, whatever that may be. Um, and then lastly, that um, they're able to acknowledge both successes, failures, um, et, et cetera, et cetera. Like all those things are so important. Um, I know that y'all have some things you want to chime into on that. So I'll let, I'll let y'all take it away. Yeah. I, you know, start, starting with transparency is, is so critical because it's so much easier said than done. I, I feel like even though it's intuitive like yeah why wouldn't we share it like if we we believe in you know a, a perspective on relationships that is open and honest then why don't we operate a company that way but the trick is that you really have to know what you're doing you really have to understand your business you have to understand who you are as a company as individuals and what you want in order to be transparent about it and i think you know that is, there is no more fundamental of a starting place than that, that kind of like cliche know thyself moment as a company, as a group of people. And part of the structure Dave was talking about, not part of it, entirely the structure Dave was talking about was us piecing together things we've worked on before. Like, what are our core values? What do we want? Where, where do we all want to be? And it's amazing when you get around a table 
with a group of people who are leading a company who, in the case of the three of us, are like very close friends and spent a lot of time together, have a lot of respect for each other, have done, have traveled the world, done a lot of crazy stuff. And when we start actually talking about what we want and what we want to do, where we want to be in our personal lives, that the answers are different. And that is, that is a phenomenal kind of starting place to kind of figure out, work through, and then operating from that level to communicate that to everyone becomes so much easier. But, uh, you know, it's really, it, if you don't have that, then you're, you're really either, you, you just don't have a barometer, right? I guess you don't have a, a guiding light um, to, to allow transparency to, to, to be easy. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, on top of that, there's this like overhanging thought of like, we, I think that a lot of people are afraid to have transparency because that inherently means that then people can hold you accountable. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you're, if you're sharing, you know, dreams or goals or numbers or uh, future plans or whatever it may be, um, or even just like sharing about the day-to-day operations of what's going on in your current business, then you're inherently creating like structure and, and things that you can be held accountable for. And that's a topic that's come up on this podcast a handful of times is like that accountability is certainly not a bad thing, but a lot of people fear it. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, put, putting, putting our vision, our intentions, our annual, our three-year, our 10-year plans, you know, uh, putting any of that out, out there in the world uh, is, is scary, but honestly, it, it's, it's, more scary to put it out in front of your your employees because they're they're there looking at you counting on you and putting a huge amount of faith trust and stock in in you as a company not just you as an individual leader of a company the gm whoever it may be but you know their their peers as well um they're they're really putting a lot of trust uh into that and if you say um these are our goals this is our quarterly goal this is where we need to be next year they 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 trust and believe that that you have a way a plan and a process to, to get them, to get all of us to that place that you're talking about. Um, so you need to, you know, you need to get your shit together. <laughs> you need to have it together. Looking to reclaim some of the restorative time that you lost during the last few months? Be sure to check out the pre-shift meditation series brought to you by Beam Suntory's Bourbon Time. It takes place in the last Monday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern, now through September. For more information, please visit fohealth.org. On the subject of recognition, um, well, you know, all of it really, but something that's become, um, that's, that's started to feel more important than ever during this pandemic is showing up for our teams in whatever way that, that is. Um, and I, what I mean by that is there it, in every way that there is, it's, you know, it's no longer enough just to, um, you know, to be, to be transparent, um, about, you know, just financials. Like I think, you know, being transparent about, um, uh, I mean, you know, how we're feeling in any given day has become something that's, 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 that's more, that feels more important during this pandemic, right? Like, uh, the, the meeting structure that Dave mentioned the, the L that we call L10s, um, you know, we begin every single one of those meetings with one bit of personal sharing and then one bit of professional sharing. And, and I think, you know, transparency, even with who we are as, as human beings, has felt more important during this time because everybody is evaluating 
their lives in such a different way, right? Um, I think that, you know, the tolerance for um, being in a work environment where you can't be yourself and you, and you don't um, know what the future looks like and you, and you, and you there is no accountability um, has, has really vanished. And so, um, it, you know, although I think we've always wanted to lead our company this way, it, it, it feels different. It feels really different now and, and, and more important than ever. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, you know, that that's as, as we're learning and having like seen those connections happening in real time and like the attempt to maintain bridge to people over the course of this last year um, has been uh, like a very vulnerable experience and in and, and more so not not more so just as it is in those personal moments of just being like reflective and communicative of where we're at as individuals, it comes through. And frankly, like when Alex, we're, we're telling you about our last quarter numbers on our state of the company meeting. And it's like, here's how many hundreds of thousands of dollars we've lost in this whole process. And that's a really, that is a really scary thing to tell people. But I think it's another important thing about transparency, which is giving context for people about why decisions are being made and, and what is, what are the motivating factors? Because it's so, I get it, you know, like having worked in a lot of bars and restaurants and I'll, you know, maybe we had a, an amazing night and rang $10,000 on my till. And I'm like, wow, the owners here are rich. Cause I had no context. <laughs> I wasn't informed of the, the entire thing and how the, the whole ecosystem works. And, and part of that great ambition of ours in transparency is continuing to grow that for the teams too. So that they, you know, yes, we share at a certain level, but we want to get that financial fluency more so that uh, not only are people empowered with more skills, um, but they're also, we're all, uh, to use EOS vernacular, we're all rowing in the same direction because we understand what, what all the different levers are doing. And I think that really helps to, um, to, to provide a sense of purpose in, in a more, um, significant way. You know, it's, it's like, speaking for myself, I've worked every position, uh, almost every position in a restaurant, right? Like leading up to where I am now. And, um, you know, we don't often talk about as a, as a, as a, um, kind of community, we don't talk about in, in plain terms, you know, the impact that let's say a busser has on the bottom line, um, or, you know, a bar back or, you know, some of those line level positions that don't get the glory all the, you know, as, as much as, as bartenders and chefs do, let's just, just use those you know, kind of positions as examples. And I think, um, you know, giving everybody that works at our establishments context for how the machine works or, you know, how the levers work as, as Alex just put it, I think, you know, really kind of, uh, is, is important to, to humanizing every single position in the restaurant and to say, no one person is more important than the, uh, than the other. Every single one of you that works here is, is critical to, to, to making this machine what it is. Um, and, you know, again, and at the end of this pandemic, as people are just evaluating their lives, what's important to them in a different way, I think we all more than ever really, really need to feel that sense of purpose and feel like the way we're spending our time matters. Um, and, um, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, clock in and, and boxes and, and clock. Hopefully we're doing that for people, I, you know, <laughs> that's, 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 uh, you know, the, that what we're aiming for in any case. Yeah. I mean, you, I definitely think that you all are and it, it couldn't be. I mean, that was something that the company was definitely working on, obviously, like prior to 2000 and like, you know, 2020, um, but it couldn't be more important than now, like when our, our workforce is um, 
you know, probably the lowest pool it's ever been of people, um, you know, wanting to work in this industry and asking why, uh, why they should or why they do or considering different careers, you know, like having companies that care about every, every piece of the puzzle and sharing all of that with their employees and, and valuing each part of what makes the, the machine work is so important. Um, I'm going to bring up, I want to bring up the company's core values for a second, if that's okay. Um, unless Alex, did you have something you wanted to add to that? No, that's great. Okay. Um, we've, I feel like we've kind of just like kind of just skirted around it the entire, the entire time. Um, and I think it's, this might be a really great time to talk about it, but I've never in my life worked for a company that has core values ever. <laughs> So when we started training at Death & Co, uh, when we were getting ready to open in Denver, I was like, what the fuck <laughs> does this even mean? I was literally like, what? <laughs> um, you know, and I don't think I ever really got it until like December, 2018. So like- Good job taking it. Thank you. Not that it's not that. And I don't, I don't mean to say that you all didn't do a good job of explaining it. You did, but I think it was, it just took a while to like settle in, you know, to like, really like, I maybe not that I didn't understand our core values, but maybe more to, so that I didn't understand the purpose of a company having core values, you yeah, know, because fair. I just never had worked for a company that had them or cared to, <laughs> have them um or if they did they certainly didn't tell their employees about it so um would y'all mind i guess sharing what the company's core values are what led you to selecting those um and any uh, anything else you want to share on that topic yeah I, I i would love to hop in if that's all right with alex and devin definitely um so you know we we started developing our core values around Death and Goey's Village when we were just that one single door. And as the company grew, we realized we needed to revisit our core values. And this was something that was introduced to me, um, again, by Sean Finter in starting to understand like, you know, entrepreneurial or business structure. Um, and and um, it is, again, all of these things are, are fairly novel um, in, in the hospitality sector. Um, so we have five core values currently um, the core values are subject to evolve. Um, I think our core values very much fit who we are, uh, but we continue to look at and check in on our core values on a quarterly basis to um, see, you know, if, if any should be updated, if language should be updated. Um, so our core values are connection, professionalism, ABK, excellence, and contagious joy. Um, and we have a, a, a short framing sentence for, for each of them. Um, so connection, we build relationships through intuition, empathy, and transparency. So there's that transparency word and, um, you know, obviously connection has always been kind of an, an anchor point for, for our entire company. Um, and it, and it comes up again in what we call our core focus, which I'd, I'd love to share as well, uh, after this professionalism. Uh, we are ambassadors of gin and luck and our company is proprietors LLC and, and death and company inside and outside of our business. Um, this is something that we kind of struggled with and we, and we still almost kind of struggle with, with this as a core value. We do think we are defined by our kind of elevated level of professionalism company-wide, or that's one of the things that sets us apart. Um, 
but we also want to make sure that that doesn't feel or seem like kind of a, a gating issue to, to being part of our company because we bring these core values to life in terms of our hiring, our reviewing, um, you know, promotions, terminating. Um, they, they are a part of um, many conversations uh, throughout our company. Um, ABK, which takes a little bit of explaining. Um, so it's always be knowing. It's an abbreviation for always be knowing, um, which I'll let uh, any listeners kind of explore on their own. Um, we execute with focus and work to completion. So for us, this is almost uh, a way of working, working through and working with purpose, intent, setting yourself up for success, really, um, and always resetting when you're done to set yourself up back for su success after anything is finished. Um, excellence, we will forever be chasing excellence. It is a pursuit without end. And contagious joy, when we're having fun, it emanates out and influences our work and the people around us. And then quickly to share our core, our core focus, which is almost kind of like um, the guidepost by which we filter um, our growth and decision, our decisions and clients and almost everything. Like it's who we are and what we do as a company. We create experiences and connect people through cocktail anchored hospitality. And we feel like that's true for every piece and you know aspect and arm of our business, whether it's the books, the death and company marketplace, our consultancy, our management, or our brick and mortars. I felt like a very canned speech. That's my canned speech. <laughs> but I think it's important to share though, um, because it all circles back to this thought that like, if you, if you don't take a step back and think about how you want your business to be operated and, and how you want your employees to experience working for you and, and how you want your clients to experience working with you and everything in, like that comes from all of that. You know, if you don't take a step back and think about that, then it's like, you can get stuck in this like vicious cycle of just being underwater without any perspective and without any any forward direction to go in, I guess is like the best way that I could, I like, I'm like getting anxiety even thinking about it, but it's, you know, it's just like, if you can't get your head above water to understand what you want your company to be, then that you'll just be in that cycle for forever. I, I think that's exactly it. You know, it, it, it comes down to an added, well, I, I think Alex really spoke, spoke to how complex transparency can be. And this is one aspect of transparency. It's not just about financial fluency, but also, and I, and I love Devin that you brought this up, like the transparency in the check-in process, you know, we call them segues, but like, what's your personal, what's your business. And sometimes it's like, Hey guys, just personally, um, my daughter didn't sleep last night. So I, I'm, I'm really struggling today. I just want you guys to know before we jump into this meeting, I'm struggling. Don't, don't need anything. Nothing else needs to be done. That's a level of transparency. Um, and then uh, what's important to us as a company are our core values. That's important to us in every aspect of the company. And if we're not making that transparent, but also bringing it to life, then, then yeah, how are we supposed to expect? Um, we're, we're not setting our, our team up uh, to succeed uh, and, and being kind of transparent in terms of the expectations that we, we have of them and of, our, of ourselves. I think it, it also ties back to accountability in a big way because um, another another part of EOS that we've really um, embraced is the idea that we that we hire, fire, recognize, promote, um, uh, what have you, based around these core values, right? So we've all probably worked in places where you know criticism or feedback comes in a way that that maybe feels unfairly targeted or without reason. 
and um, you know having these kind of guideposts as as leaders to to truly give feedback and, and evaluation for our team members um, requires accountability. We can't just say, oh, this I don't know that person's not a good fit, or you know, it's they don't really get it. You know, like we we have these clearly articulated values that we that we you know will run through if if there is ever friction with a team member, and then and then the conversation becomes well. Are we setting them up for success to, you know, embrace this value or to be living it? You know, if say as an example, um, you know, someone's maybe falling short on contagious joy. Well, okay, why is that? Is that you know something that we have control over? Is that something that we as leaders, as managers, um, you know, should be um, holding ourselves accountable for? Um, you know, in order to to allow that person to live that core value, and of course, of course, you know, the the answer isn't always yes there, but I think it just it um it yeah it sets up accountability kind of on on both ends in a in a much better way. Absolutely, um, and then what and like as you're saying, it's like once again all circles back to being able to communicate that and have transparency for everybody involved in the company, right? And and. I don't, I guess like I find myself wondering like why that has not existed in our industry and like why these decisions or like the way businesses have been operated have not been that. Um, and I don't know if there's like really an answer to that question. Um, I mean, it's, yes, go on, Alex. No, 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 go on. I was just going to say like, uh, Jump, you said something a minute ago about kind of being in a rut or like not being able to lift up beyond it um, that you'll always kind of operate and like, you know, without aspirations of something bigger or to striving for something b bigger than yourself or um, improvement for yourself as leaders, then you aren't ever going to go anywhere. And, you know, we, when we first penned these core values and the ones before them or the iterations of these that have happened along the way, they, in a lot of ways, for some of us around the table, were aspirational. You know, like this is what we need to strive for. And so, if we're always improving at the at the it, call it top of the company, if you will, then like that sets a, an important precedent. And it, it's just incredible. It's a different energy. I feel like when there's consensus on some sort of level like this that is reaching for for something more, and that there are these words that kind of like drive you to do more every day. You wake up, you look at them, you think about them, you kind of like make decisions based on them. And and, and then that energy is incredibly motivating because it gives you some sort of something to like latch onto and no greater example than the last year of that, right? Where, you know, what what did we continue, what, what did we try to continue to do as the businesses were shutting down, that, uh, that we were, had to lay everyone off, that we're trying to navigate these incredibly tight, difficult decisions. Well, is, are these still our focuses? And, and, and then how do we make those come to life on our day-to-day -day, um, actions through the hardest time in our professional and personal lives? And, and having these and having this vision, having these, this roadmap um, made all the difference in the world and continues to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, I, I was just going to, I, I love that. I was just going to speak to why I think, you know, more companies don't take some of these steps or certainly more folks in our industry didn't, don't take some of these steps. You know, I, I think there's, there some do for sure, but I think there's a, like, we started this conversation. I think some people are just allergic to these ideas and that they feel like they're cheesy. A lot of our team honestly felt like that in the beginning, you know, it was a slow, it wasn't a warm welcome embrace of VOS. Everyone thought that, 
the language was cheesy. Like this was kind of like, a, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it, well, yeah, Alex and Devin, like both, I had to kind of gently convince Alex and Devin that this was a path for us. Um, and I, I know the same is true for, for Mike, our director of ops. I mean, the entire leadership team, which, which is currently comprised of five people, um, you know, none of them were like super eager to buy in. Um, and, and I think all of them now would agree that it's been one of the most transformative decisions that we've made as, as a business for sure. Um, and has allowed us greater things. I think, I think the other thing is there's just a general lack of exposure to, to these ideas and to this stuff. So I think, you know, again, thank you, Alex, uh, for, for Alex Jump for, for bringing us on and letting us speak about some of this stuff, because um, I think a heightened level of awareness and I hate to even say it, like normalizing a love of business, normalizing a love of systems, like is probably a good thing for our industry. Um, it's like, oh, you know, maybe if more people knew, certainly if I knew earlier in my career, like, oh, some of these people that I looked up to, like Sasha Petrosky or, or Audrey Saunders or, or, or Julie Reiner, if, if I knew any of them were like also closeted business nerds, I'd be like, oh, I should be a closeted business nerd too. You know, I probably would have discovered this shit 10, 12, 13 years ago, or maybe more, you know, and, and, and it probably would have saved us a, a lot of time and, and aggravation on, on, on some of our hires and some of our operations in the early days of Death & Co, where we were just, you know, we were just getting by doing whatever we could. We we're just like almost every other uh, small kind of mom and pop operation. We we're just abandoned misfits. Um, and in the early days of abandoned misfits that we were all pretty young and we all drank a little bit too much and we were all cared a little bit too much. Um, you know, almost to, to sometimes our detriment. Um, but we cared often about the wrong things. You know, we cared about the perfect temperature of that class and we cared how esoteric the spirits were and we cared how big our menus were and we cared about, you know. And we all, didn't care how much it all cost. And we didn't <laughs> care about, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Sure, and, and look, of course, right? Like, of course we can see that now, but I do, you know, to, to play devil's advocate, like, you know, to ourselves even, this conversation. Um, authenticity is still critical to a great hospitality experience, right? And I think that that really is kind of where the disconnect for a lot of people. And I mean, definitely, I can say that's, you know, that was my reaction when we first began having these conversations that there's this idea that, um, that this type of corporate structure, um, you know, things like core values, um, you know, like whatever, all the structure we've talked about on this call um, is inherently in conflict with the idea of being authentic. And I think that we found that that doesn't need to be the case. And, you know, I do think that transparency and vulnerability have been kind of that bridge for us. Um, and, you know, and frankly, a lot of discipline, you know, when we, when we um, we're growing, right. We're growing a brand that, that has long been, um, you know, has long, long lived only in New York City in a 45 seat space, right? And is like this very boutique experience and, and we're growing. And, um, you know, we, we recognized immediately that we wouldn't have success doing that if we just carbon copied it. So it's a lot of discipline on our end. In addition to the things I just said, it's a lot of discipline on our end to ask ourselves every time we go into a new city, you know, um, what, you know what we can do to make sure that we're, that we're maintaining authenticity. That also recognizes that some things it's, it, this is a great thing to circle back on because we're like, we kind of like put systems on a pedestal um, and like, <laughs> and it's how valuable it is to like get everything locked down and understand your process and do all, follow all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you also, we work in the creative realm, right? And we serve a, like, 
yes, there's, you know, the, the art of the cocktail and food is, is critical to what we do, but also the art of hospitality and the kind of nimbleness that has to exist within these environments that is so deeply human. So systemize, finding the boundary or the borderland between systemization and human improvisation is like, is I think like the thing, you know, I think that's the like, the the like apotheosis of anything that we could possibly do is like finding where that that those two things bleed into each other um and trying to make the systems support that end goal that's such a good reflection yeah go ahead dave i i i mean i was gonna say the same i i I, devin i i love everything um that I, I love bringing it back around to, to authenticity and, and Alex finding, finding that borderland. Um, you know, I, I think the, the only thing I wanted to add is that, um, you know, we're 15 years into this journey and I feel like we're just beginning, which is to say like, there, there's so much, um, I, I guess really just wanting to acknowledge that there's so much that we haven't done. There's so much that, uh, so much farther that we as a company want to go in terms of, the heightened level of transparency, the heightened level of staff engagement, the the, the support and care that we take care uh, or how we care for our people. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's that's almost become uh, or, or certainly has become my second wind in, in my career and in my journey within this industry is that, you know, I cared so much for the first, let's call it the first half of, of my career to date about, you know, the, the liquid going into glass. And now I care so much more about the systems, the people, the processes, but really like the the ecosystem that we're creating behind the scenes and how we can make it the best possible one in the world. Um, because I believe that then will absolutely translate to the guests. If our people are the happiest, if they're the best cared for, if they understand where we're going and why and why we make the decisions and if they have meaningful input and engagement and purpose within their jobs, excuse me, then I think you know, we'll get to where we want to go. And what, you know, I think that's true for any company that that's, that's not true for, for, for just hospitality. I think that's true for, you know, if you had a, a, a steel company or a bio, you know, uh, biomedical company or wh- whatever it is, um, you know, you're, you're not going to get there without that level of, of purpose and engagement um, from the brilliant people uh, that really are your company. Um, and so I, I, I think that's kind of the excitement and, and the next step for, for us and hopefully for, for what we see within the hospitality sector is people starting to pay more attention to that, um, you know, than, and, and knowing that that's going to bring up the level of everything else that they do. Absolutely. Um, this, just has, this has been a really awesome conversation and I'm really grateful to have gotten to spend an hour or so um, getting to chat with y'all about um, the things that you do to make our industry a better place, because I hope that y'all all recognize that you are making our industry a better place just inherently by working on your own company and, and creating a better place for people to work. So thank you for taking the time to, to chat today. Thank you, Alex. That was, that was so nice. Thank you for that loving compliment, lovely compliment. <laughs> I was like, let's end this with David crying like <laughs> every interview and conversation. Usual. Usual, typical, typical <laughs> getting emotional Um, (laughs) if people want to find y'all uh on the social medias how can they do that Uh, or or do you not want them to find you 
<laughs> I think I'm the only one who's really that active. Um, uh, and I'm not even <laughs> that active anymore. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at AP Day. You can find me on Instagram at Tarby Party. And you'll never find me on Facebook because I've been clean for five years. <laughs> I'm spreading the gospel. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, for better or worse, um, don't spend much time on any of the social medias. Um, but I, I do, I do think that it's almost more important that we have a high level of accessibility. You can certainly find me on, uh, you can try to track me down on Instagram, DK proprietors, but um, you can find our emails almost anywhere. And we really do love uh, when people reach out for any question about anything. And we take great pride in responding to it and hopping on calls and supporting um, people however we can and, and of being a resource. So it's d.kaplan at ginandluck.com, a.day at ginandluck.com, and d.tarby at ginandluck.com. Um, if we can, I would like to wrap it up, I think, with um, if each of y'all would mind sharing just like one one takeaway from the last few years of like working of working on the business like if you could leave people with one thing that you learned either about yourself or the bar or the business at large or the industry i know that's like a massive question but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be anything too big but just one thing to leave people with Uh, Go ahead, Alex. I'm happy. I'm happy to start. Um, uh, space, and and what I mean by that is allowing allowing space for for what you need. And in my case, I need space away from work, uh, with my husband, with other interests that I have, in order to perform at the level that I aspire to perform in the company and to do the kind of work that I want to do. Um, if I don't have that space, then I I don't I can't do it very well, and I burn out quickly. I've, I, I was trying to find the right word for it and I may, I may steal space, but I, I feel like um, providing, providing people either the space or the opportunity uh, to, to succeed um, has, I think, been one of my favorite learnings um, within the last few years and doing what you can to set them up for success, but then really just letting them succeed, giving them this, again, giving them the space um, to do what they do and giving them the trust and empowering them to, to do what they do um, because they're, they're probably there because they do it better than you if you hired correctly. Yeah, let's see. You two took some, a couple good ones. So let me try to think of something different. I think um, <laughs> as a former chaos addict, um, structure and routine is not the enemy of creativity okay it won't make boring it won't make you unauthentic it'll actually just allow you to to have more fun with doing the things you like to do so good love it so good thanks so much y'all thank you for taking the time today i really appreciate it we appreciate thanks, it thank you jump yeah always great to see you To ensure that you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to the Focus on Health podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else that you get podcasts. Make sure to tune in every other Monday for new episodes, and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy every other Wednesday.